And this is Seth. And this is Florians United. I kind of gave up in the <laughs> Yeah, we we're. I feel like the fact that it sounded like a toy with dying batteries is just evident of the emotional and physical state we're both in right now. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I'm around a, a lot of children's toys, and that is an accurate representation of what they sound like <laughs> when their batteries start to die, and they sound like they're going to kill you. Exactly. We're not going to kill you. We're too tired. Anyway. Uh, this is my turn to do a story. And... Oh, I was going to say, it's not my turn, is it? Because I didn't think of shit. No, it's my turn. And this, the theme of uh, this week is masculinity. And I had all those stories, especially uh, like as a cis woman, I had many stories of toxic masculinity ruining my life. But then I decided instead of talking about that, I'm going to... Praise positive masculinity because that oh. is something we do not do enough. We say a lot of bad things about toxic masculinity. But we well, about masculinity. You, yeah. There's no good things about toxic masculinity. Yeah, that's true. But like, there, there's not masculinity. A, we, yes. we, we bless masculinity, but we don't praise it when it happens. I think in general, we're just like that as a society. We're programmed to like yeah. uh, say all the bad things about everything. Well, it, uh, the way I see it is like if someone says, hey, how are you? And you're like, I'm okay. They're like, okay. But like if you're here, oh, I'm not okay. Oh, what's wrong? Give me the gossip. Exactly. Give me them hot, hot deets. So uh, what I want to celebrate uh, is the McElroy's brother. Yeah. So I'm a big, 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 big fan of the McElroy's. I listen to almost all their podcasts. Yeah, she has a problem. I made Seth uh, fall into the adventure zone. Uh, oh my god, it's so good, y'all! And uh, but what is it? I don't, I don't feel like the adventure zone needs to plug, but I'm gonna plug the goddamn adventure zone if if people, because I feel like forever people were like, Seth, listen to it, it's good, and I was like, whatever, and then I finally listened to it, and I was like, shit, yeah. So if you're me, go listen to that shit. Yeah, save yourself some time. <laughs> and the the. What what I like about those three brothers and even like the dad when you talk about his wife um, is how they fucking love their wife. Like they fucking love them and they are not ashamed to say how much they love them and how like they're better at them. Uh, uh, they're better at some than them on on some things. You know, like Justin yeah. had uh, Justin's wife is a is um. Is a doctor. a doctor and like yeah. sometimes he's like I don't know that, that my my wife is the smart one you know <laughs> or uh or uh, Travis when he praises his wife saying like oh yeah she really like helped me go through stuff and make me like a better person uh, you know and, and I I like to see a popular podcast and I think that's mm-hmm. a lot in the podcast world that there is this positive movement right now of yeah. people that like there's uh, people. We're, we're hearing so much bad crap that that's why yeah. the podcast is people praising. Just Griffin and his uh, wife will do the podcast Wonderful, where they, mm-hmm. for like 45 minutes, they talk about shit they love. And I'm like, yeah, birds are great. You're right, you know? And uh, there, there's this positivity that they bring, and especially like three cis white males, to bring that to their fandom and not being like afraid to say like, yeah, I fucking cry. Or like, yeah, like I do not like this thing, and it, it doesn't make my myself uh, less of a man to do that. Like that's how it is, and that's it. And 
I don't I don't see that a lot and I, I realize that's part of why I, I love them. They're they're also like geniuses in the in a lot of places. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to praise a good example of masculinity. So see, I find I don't want to like go too far off of a, ta- a tangent on this, but see, I find that interesting because I view those things as feminine things. Like I see that as being femininity, like, right. Like being able to be in touch with your emotions, like is something that is like stereotypically categorized as feminine. So if you're a man and you're doing those things, are those feminine things or are they, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. is it still like, I think that like, that's your way of like, you can present like, right. Like I present as masculine, but like I've got fucking nail polish and like a glittery shirt on right now. Like, you know what I mean? But like those things are feminine things. They're part of my presentation and I'm still a man, but like they're feminine things. But so like, that, that's why I, I don't know. And that's different because that's a physical thing versus an attribute. But, but yeah, like, but I don't know for me yeah. to like praise them for doing that while being <coughs> a male. For me, yeah. it's my way to say fuck society. To say that it's a feminine I think it's the, the most masculine thing they can do is fucking love their wives and don't you know I, I think it's one of the one of the three boys say I hate stand up comic where all you do is like mock your wife and say like oh she should do in the kitchen or like degrades women yeah because there's a lot of that and there's yeah. a lot of I fucking love my wife there's She's a podcast great. I forget the exact name of it I can I can link it in the, uh, later but it's called something like not another white male comedian and it's just like all comedians who are not white men (laughs) it's really it's good um but yeah i but yeah i guess that sort of for me opens up a bigger question of like what does masculinity even mean um i don't know if google can even answer that question but but tell me tell me what google says the the google the google say the google the google say that the dictionary definition of it is a behavior associated with male role so okay so i guess for the sake of this episode we are talking about things that are traditionally associated with men whether that is uh like emotional things right like not being in touch with their emotions or angry being angry or not being able to ask for goddamn directions like you know what i mean those kinds of things and also physical physical things right about your uh appearance or you know what I mean? Yes. Like, um, like I would look at, cliche. Uh, yes, but, but not even cliche, but just sort of the textbook definition of a uh, societal masculinity and what that means, because I could give a 10 hour dissertation and tear masculinity apart and everything's fake and nothing's real and everything's a social construct. So for the sake of this episode, yeah, the sake we're of just going to, yeah. Yeah, we're just going to go with sort of the, right, like the, the I, sort I, of stereotypical wanna, societal and Western Western societal yes. idea of what masculinity is. And also is. we're going to deal with a lot with the binary, it's not because we don't see non-binary people, it's just because we are going with the typical masculinity we see in media. Uh, that's that's the way we saw our thing, but we, uh, we acknowledge that uh, there is also non-binary people, and like you say, gender is a construction. So. Uh, yes, but I, I I think it's important to challenge it. And oh, uh, totally. And if for our the, uh, one episode of the magician could, I think it was this one. Oh my god! Uh, but before we continue our conversation to the magician, oh, we need to do our thirty second recap. 
I watched two episodes. This is not going to be good. <laughs> Ready? One, two, three, go. All right. Penny's in the Netherlands, uh, and then he's in the library, uh, and then he goes into Quentin's fucking heteronormative dream, and then uh, Elliot can't deal with feelings. Um, Julia and the Hedwitches are doing their whole fucking thing. Uh, and then they, there's a Margolem, and then they fucking go see Alice's parents. Uh, sex magic, beacon, awkward moments. Yeah. It's because I read my goddamn notes. <laughs> okay. Ready, set, go. So uh, Penny is lost in the Netherlands and then the discovering the library. Meanwhile, he asks help for Quentin and Alice, who has to go to uh, uh, her parents and meet this traveler. And it's super awkward because fuck the fuck that and fuck the Quinn family. Meanwhile, the hedge witches uh, stay at, at Julia's and the Katie and her meet, and they're like, oh, awkward, your mom is dead. And then they meet together and they do spells. And oh my god, we're gonna summon a god. Okay. I think we, we were good. <laughs> I know you put a buzzer in, but I want a duck. Can we have a duck instead that quacks when we're done? I can do it for you if you want. Just for this episode. <laughs> hey, this is Catherine from the future. So I couldn't find an, a noise from a duck that was like uh, free of right. But I found uh, the squeaking of a rubber duck. So this is for you, Seth. Now back to our program. <laughs> um, sorry, I just I oh my, I got distracted and forgot to give you your five second warning because oh, okay. I had because I had a note and then I started to write it down. I remember, so all I wrote down was emo. I was trying to write down emotions, but then I remembered, and so I just looked back at my notes and all I wrote was emo. <laughs> um, let's start with Penny. So. In the very beginning, like, uh, technically, this was the last episode, but Penny fucking, like, just taking the button and being, like, all macho, like, ugh, I can do it. I don't need yeah. friends. I don't need people. Penny, I feel like, a lot of times is sort of uh, this very, like, ta you know, this depiction of toxic masculinity oh, of the, yeah. like, of the loner, of the I can do it myself. I don't need friends. I don't need connections. Blah, 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 blah. Or I even, know. like... The one that cares the most in the whole gang. I mean, I don't know if I agree with that, but um, I don't know. I've never really connected to Penny as a character. I find his characterization kind of confusing for me. But um, just like writing-wise, Arjun, I love him and um, he's adorable. I just writing-wise, I find him confusing as a character. By but the way, also he just got married. Yay. Oh, cutie. <laughs> but also like in the very beginning when he goes to the Netherlands and he tries to, the, the first sort of like... Um, uh, I don't know what we would call them. I want to say assassin, but that is not the right word. The like people in the Netherlands were like, yeah, like mercenary type type people. Um, he like her name is Eve. Uh, when he tries to read her mind without mm -hmm. her consent, I'm like, you you fucking are just reading people's minds without consent all the time. And part of that right is that it's permeating into your. But part of it is like you were trying yeah. in this scenario, and the fact that you think that you have the right to just like go and do that was a little like oh that's a little privilegy to me penny yeah for me his first action is to say like oh i come in peace and do the vulcan salute for a guy that he's quentin about being a nerd and always stupid to be a nerd to do that what the fuck 
Yeah, but I, I, yeah, I agree. But also, I don't know if that necessarily is like not masculine. You know what I mean? I just feel that he mocks Quentin for his non-masculinity while doing exactly what what Quentin does. But I think that he does. Two, there's two different things. I think he mocks Quentin for being a nerd, which has nothing to do with masculinity. And I think he mocks Quentin for like, you know, the shit like you have fucking t- Taylor Swift in your head right now. Are you kidding me? I think that is separate from being a nerd. Oh. I think you can be because I mean, you could be, a you know, like the, I feel like when you say nerd for a lot of to- for a lot of people, you're imagining like some guy in his 30s in his mother's basement playing Dungeons and Dragons. Like yeah. that is still mass, like it's still associated with being a male, I think. Um, so I think that, I think that for, for that, that's where the separation is for me. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, he, but, but I agree he's making fun of Quentin for being a nerd. And then he's like, Bleh. like, oh, you know what I mean? Like, oh, also, can I just do a shout out that has nothing to do with the masculinity, but the Eve say that Santa exists. And then oh, we meet. Yeah. I had that fucking, ex- four. I had that exact same thought. I was like, damn guys, you really like your continuity. <laughs> At least, at least now, like, and and I feel like, like, I truly hope that that was a throwaway line. And then they were like, let's make Santa real now, guys. We got renewed. Yes. Um, uh, but yeah, so I think that for me, and, and there's this interesting juxtaposition. I didn't finish my own sentence, but like, I think for me, Penny is often like the way that he acts. He's very angry. He's very moody. He's very, um, like a lot of these things that I sort of associate with men right he just like not very in touch with his emotions i don't feel like or he he doesn't want to talk about his past like all these things but see i don't think he's in touch with his emotions but like that's my interpretation of him but what i was and we can talk about that in a minute but what i wanted to say was that i think it's interesting because i think the way he dresses is very feminine and flamboyant and so that's a really interesting juxtaposition for me because like no one ever like says anything no one cares and like i don't know the person that he's the is the kind of guy that's gonna fuck you while helping you. He's always like that. So he, he want to project this tough, like bulky yo fuck you man of max of, of like pure toxic masculinity, but also like he's a, a, he cares so much. He like he helps everyone all the time. He, and at at. So like I think it's the protection this act and like yeah. we, see, we see him break that with Katie, uh like he's a sweet dude that guy and I think it's because of his past that we don't know you're right that something happened and he had to create this well a bit like Alice being super cold at the beginning of the season mm-hmm. because she needed like to push everyone away and didn't want to do anything anyone and then when that broke down she become more someone and I think that's the same thing with Penny. But since he's like radiated this toxic masculinity, it's more normal for him because it's a guy. And here yeah. I put a lot of uh, air quotes. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's funny that you just said the same thing that as we were saying that I wrote down masculinity as protection and then you said that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like it's an easy thing to hide behind because it's socially acceptable. So mm-hmm. like like you were saying, like for Alice, everyone's like, oh, you know, it's it's the, it's the whole like just smile kind of kind of thing right like you're you right or even our Margot too it's like if you have a wall or katie if you have a wall you're a bitch um but if guys have a wall oh you're being masculine in fact you should be doing that so i think that's a really serious you're broody there's a really interesting double standard there for sure um and so 
something that always comes up for me is just like I don't understand why Penny hates Quentin so much and I wonder if he like sees something of himself in Quentin like a part of himself that he doesn't like because because then he's so fucking nice to Alice in this episode and I'm like I just that was the sound of me throwing my goddamn pen because I just fucking I'm like yeah and there's one line where he's like well I respect you you're like one of the only people I respect and I'm like okay but even if you respect her that doesn't make sense to me like I don't understand why you're such a fucking dick to Quentin I think that's because he's himself and there's a I think there's a jealousy too that Quentin is himself no matter what yeah and like he's a fucking nerd he's a fucking depressed super nerd and like it's the way it is, and take it as it is. I Meanwhile, Penny and like Elliot or other people had to build themselves to be who they are, and they don't show everything. Meanwhile, Quentin wears his heart on his sleeve, and he's just Quentin, Quentining around. <laughs> Quentin, <laughs> Quentin around. <laughs> Quentin the halls, Quentin himself. Um, shout out to Puff. I was about to say shout out to the one person who gets that. It's Jasper. Jasper's the one person who gets that <laughs> reference. But uh, yeah, and I think I, I think there was kind of a jealousy of like, dude, I wish I could be free like you. Yeah, I wonder. I feel like that would just be something I would love to see explored in like future seasons, well, which like, I, I, th- I don't know if we're sort of past the point that it could be explored, but. I don't think so, because look at Penny 23. <laughs> Penny 23, uh, oh, <laughs> Penny 23 is like, uh, uh, we won't go a lot in, in season four because that's for like <laughs> two years. <laughs> but uh, basically, even Arjun said that Penny 23 learned that he lost everyone at a cost. And like for him, like he's, he's becoming vulnerable and he's more like no knowing that every, like there's a cost to losing people and he's not ready to pay it again. So he's more like open and near his emotion and like trying to talk about stuff. Meanwhile, like when we saw, oh, you didn't saw last last week episode, but we saw 23 and 40 together and we were like, oh, the same dude. So like how an experience can shape you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And like, even if you're the same person, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, in that instance, right, it's literally the same person or even, right, there are studies and things where, like, you could have two children or two twins, right, who are in the same environment, being treated the same way, blah, 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 and can, like, grow up to, like, right, be processing things totally different, like, are different people because they're still not, like, there's no way that any two people are ever going to live the same experience, you know? Um, So, uh, you know, I want to talk about, I want to talk about, I I feel like it's sort of like a big lump of just, like, like I, I was gonna say Quentin's dream, but also just like the fucking over sexual like sexualization of this whole episode. Before we we go to Quentin's dream, uh, I want to know that because uh, I have a shit uh, to say uh, that Penny first reaction was like to hide, then ask for help, and that's what I mean by Penny. But only, but it's because he had no choice. Yeah, but that's what I mean. Like, if he was acting this toxic masculinity that we're talking about, he wouldn't have. No, but there's no one there to see it. It's like if a tree falls in the woods kind of shit. You, if there's no one there to see it, then it doesn't matter. You don't need to perform anymore. Well, he had to perform from Quentin and even like asking, like, I need your help. Like, he pained him. Say like, look, I need. No, no. But what I mean was hiding in the first place. He only. It's not the not the hiding is like. The person tried to kill him. Of sort course. of incidental, yes, but he only asked Quentin for help because he had no other choice. I think that no, what I'm, what I wanted, 
come across the point is there is such there is a toxic masculinity that can happen that even if he doesn't have a choice, he won't out of pure pride. Yes. However, I think that for most people, when life or death comes into play, that usually is enough to like bite your pride. Like, right. If he was, I think it would be different if Penny was lost in Times Square. I don't think he would stop and ask for directions. You know what I mean? I think that he would walk 20 blocks in the wrong direction and still not stop and ask for directions. But I think, you know, if he's in a life or death situation, then that becomes different. I do agree that there are people who literally would be in a life or death situation and their pride would be so much that they wouldn't do that. But I think that for him, like he was sort of backed into a corner and that was the only thing he could think to get out of that situation. Yeah. Um, So let's go to Quentin Sex's dream. So, okay, first, uh, uh, they're so sexy, hashtag same. (laughs) Hashtag same that you like that dream or hashtag same that you're also sexy? No, I I like, I get it, Quentin. They're fucking hot. You're sexist, but they're fucking uh, fucking hot. Hashtag I understand you, but you're fucking sexist. I mean, I don't know that he's sexist for having a dream. Like, look, whatever anybody likes. First of all, you're having a dream. It is involuntary. Okay. I have had weird ass dreams where I have like done shit that like I'm not accountable for what I'm, what my subconscious yeah, is doing while I'm dreaming. But I mean, I'm more mad at the writers of this episode. I'm going to get a little meta in this because I'm much more mad at, at, the writers and both the restrictions for it being a show that they wanted renewed. And so they had to do, you know what I mean? But like buying into this whole like boobs everywhere, this whole fucking episode was, I remember the first time watching it, seeing that it was so centered around sex that I was just like, I don't even want to watch this show anymore. I literally almost stopped watching this show because this episode was so like hyper gross patriarchy, masculinity, like through the male gaze and something that I've talked to you about before, like outside of this, sorry, I'm going to get very heated in this one, uh, was that like, right. There are so many fucking heterosexual sex scenes in this show and we can watch two girls make out, but like Mike and Ellie. Okay. You became a robot. There are so many sex scenes in this show, heterosexual sex scenes, and like we can watch two women make out, right? But Mike and Elliot were dating, and we never even like saw them. I mean, I think the most sexual thing that we saw was him like giving a blowjob to a door doorknob. Um, <laughs> but like, you know what I mean? Or even even in the threesome, right? Like we got like little bits and. Again, and I still feel like all of that was very male gaze-y. Um, and I understand, right, that part of it is from the perspective of a show that, like, needed to get renewed. So there were certain things they didn't want to, like, go to. But that, I just really remember, like, this very visceral feeling of watching that episode the first time and just being like, ugh. Like, yuck, really? You needed to make it sex magic to bring them back? And you yeah. needed to make it, like, everything has to be about sex? You know? Uh, but, uh, like... What I kind of like also is to, I, I find, like, the trope of the, like, sexy girlfriend with your, your, your ex-crush is kind of funny, though. Like, it's super sexist, and but, like, it's the typical dude dream. Yeah, I have much less of an issue with the dream than I do the fact that it needed to be fucking sex magic to get Penny back. That is so arbitrary to me. Like they could have explored and I appreciate that they used that moment to explore 
like female orgasm and things like that, but they could have absolutely explored that in a different scenario. It didn't have to be that the answer was sex magic. Like that made me a little like, seriously, everything in the show needs to be about sex. Like I felt the first season was way too sex heavy. And, and now I know I'm getting a like, little meta. You know, but like, like as a, as a person that is ace, it's frustrating yeah. because like, I don't feel that need. And like, I get yeah. it, but also like, don't have to shove it in my, my, my throat. <laughs> Uh, in order to like feel like okay, like, uh, you know, like uh, I don't know how to explain but, it. No, like I don't mind a good sex scene, but it felt like overkill, even for someone who enjoys a good sex scene. I was like, Jesus Christ! I have a <laughs> lot of things to say about that. So, in the dream, let's go in the Catherine the Cinema Degree Corner. Uh, there Great. is uh, two girls making out, and there is this hyper-sexualized version of Julia, which is Princess Leah, which is really a trope of the 90s, like the sex babe was <laughs> Leah. Meanwhile, Julia is, uh, uh, Alice is this like ethereal beauty goddess, and more like pure and virgin and all in white. And, okay, yeah, well, I mean, she's, she's, she's Danny, she's Daenerys Targaryen. Yeah, but like that's nothing about, like her hair doesn't is not like that in, in Game of Thrones, nor a dress. Yeah, but like that's literally what they say in the episode. I know, I know, but what I'm saying is like her version is, even if like it's okay they make out, like her version is not super sexualized. Okay. Like her dress is not super sexualized. Mm. Her, her attire. And if we compare that, like it was Star Wars versus Game of Thrones, and there are there are two uh, pieces of art in the cinema and in, in the TV that knew their main viewer were male. So they did something sexy with the woman to please the male viewer. So yeah. that's when, and like, um, uh, or uh, what's Carrie Fisher, may she rest in peace, uh, didn't want to wear a bikini and she got forced mm -hmm. into it and she hates that bikini. And like, when people, or asking her, her, like, what do you feel about that? She said, yeah, strangle the dude that makes me put it. Because, like, technically, she strangled Jabba the Hutt in Star Wars to put her in that outfit, you know? And But it, it is, it was made because the, um, the writers knew that it was mostly male-centric. So they just wanted to show, show them a babe. Meanwhile, Game of Thrones, if you want something sexist, this, because there is a lot of, of uh, vaginas, a lot of boobs. We never saw a penis yet. We saw like men's butt. Oh yeah, I was gonna say there's some nice butts. Yeah, but there's no penis. Yeah, that's that's sexist. I want some dick. And, <laughs> and also that like again, that means that it's based and it was written also with a male viewership <laughs> in mind, where they want to see the boob, the, the vagina, but no, the dick. The dick is gay. They don't. They don't want to see a flaccid dick. Doesn't no. everybody want to see a flaccid? No, but, dick? Like. That, and that's where I'm coming from. Is like both are the representation representation of something as something that is male centric in a male centric dream. Yes, yes. Which is, and then we have Q, Q that is Indiana Jones, Indiana Jones, who is the perfect white male anti Nazi hero of the nineties. The perfect what? You became a robot. Uh, white male anti anti Nazi hero of the nineties. <laughs> I don't know. I've never seen Indiana Jones. I know. and I Well, I did, but I fell asleep. I yeah, told my friends I was tired and they forced me to watch it. 
don't force me to watch a movie when I'm tired, y'all. No, I got I'm narcolepsy. Gonna, it's not going to happen. I'm going to make <laughs> you watch it anyway one day. Uh, okay. But, uh, yeah, and, like, this guy, basically, he's like, oh, the, the teacher that suddenly is, is <clears throat> work on a quest and going <clears> to <throat> save the world from the Nazi who wants a relic. Because it is known that Nazi wanted, like, weird relic shit because they believe in stuff. But, like, Indiana Jones is, like, the savior of the 90s, you know? And it's Harrison Ford, which is funny because he appears in Star Wars. So yes. there's is like all this connection that I find mm. that I find really interesting of how Q's dream is is really male centric, which makes sense because he's a guy. But also the the fandom they cho- chose are really really male centric. Yeah, well. yeah, totally. We can get out of of, of Catherine's corner now. <laughs> yeah, and I I feel like I don't know. I feel like there's something to be said for the fact that oh, I guess it's like when is this show making a commentary on something and when is it being part of the problem? Yeah. And like I think in this scene it's like making a commentary on something yes. like this is, you know, like oh this is like stupid, like stupid nerd boy dream like blah, you know, and and like there's the moment where they're like, um, okay, this could pass the Bechdel test. Like, if you they would just, <laughs> you know, um, for viewers who don't know what the Bechdel test is, Catherine, do you want to enlighten them? <laughs> okay, basically, it is written by this uh, woman, Alison Bechdel. Thank you. I, 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 who, the the author of Fun Home, um, uh, the, <laughs> the 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 comic and now musical, um, <laughs> and basically the person uh, the. the the piece of art, either movie or TV show, has to have two women with names that have a discussion with each other that is not about a man. Suppose it could also be a book, right? Huh? Could it be for yeah, a book? Yeah, it could be a book too. Right? You're right. Piece um, of media. Piece of media, and uh, you'd be you'd be really surprised how a lot of them don't pass the test. Yeah. And the weird one that passed. There's a, this amazing podcast. I think we're becoming the podcast plugger. But it's called the Bechdel Cast, and it's two girls just like watching movies and looking if it's past the Bechdel Cast the test, and it's so funny. There's not, there's like one one thing that they started called the sexy lamp test, and if the girl can be changed by a sexy lamp and the and the plot doesn't change, there's a problem. If the girl, if the girl can be changed into a sexy lamp, yeah, because by a sexy lamp would be like the sexy lamp changed the girl somehow. <laughs> The girl can be changed by a sexy lamp. And uh, <laughs> I was uh, I was wondering if you want uh, maybe in the audio bonus for our patrons, if you want to look at all the episodes of the, se- the, the season oh one my God. and see if they pass the big test. Yes. Uh, so there's going to be an audio bonus for our patrons this week. <laughs> so I guess going back to what I was saying before we got on this tangent, because this podcast is 90% tangents, is like, so I think, I think that right, that, part of that was like a commentary on something and like so that that's fine um but i think that there are other parts that are just gratuitous sex yes that i'm just like banging my head against yeah exactly um and but i do appreciate that even like i was saying even in those moments where i feel like why does okay why does this fucking need to be sex magic at least we're talking about female orgasm and like talking during sex and like i appreciate that that conversation happened because we don't have it a lot but also um and also i appreciated that in that moment i felt like they broke down the masculinity of like yeah just fucking like talk to people and ask questions and you know this one uh um and and, um, okay. and also okay go ahead no no it's okay uh, no go ahead <laughs> uh, basically uh during this part um 
won't be long, I'm reading my notes. The fact that Q is not comfortable with sex or talking about sex is refreshing. Yeah. I don't see that with a lot of guys. And I feel Q is the demonstration that masculinity can be something without being the toxic version of it. Yeah. You know? And also, um, how, um, how, uh, is, uh, is unability, but how is unability to make Alice come every time? Kind of make, put in question his masculinity and like, but what happened is Alice project her idea of toxic masculinity on Quentin and is like, what the, you think I'm gonna, uh, you, I have to come every time for you, blah, blah, blah. He's like, no, no, just tell me what I'm doing wrong. How can I improve? And like, she basically uh-huh. put something towards, like, like, uh, talk, like, made the toxic masculinity she had in her head talk for Quentin. Well, that's not yeah. what Quentin was wanted at all. And it injured their, their relationship again. Yeah, totally. And I, I think that there's this idea, I mean, I, I think that it's an idea that is sort of pushed, like, per, um, perpetuated by the patriarchy, but that affects uh, people of all genders, this idea that, like, you're supposed to know exactly what you're doing during sex, like, from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Like, you're just, like, born knowing <laughs> what to do during sex. Uh, I hope not. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, so I think that that is also an issue that a lot of, like, that is detrimental to a lot of people this idea that we like that putting that on both on ourselves and on our partners yes like i mean literally every sexual encounter i ever had i just like pretty much faked it and never told anyone and i was just like i'll just do it it's easier it it just is guys um but like i think that that's it says a lot right that you would be willing to like you know go through a whole like listen sex is not like it's messy it's nice but like it's messy it takes a lot of time okay to go through a whole experience like that and not even get anything out of it because like and right like not not necessarily there are different things that different people get out of sex but if your goal is to orgasm and you're not even getting that uh and you still feel like you can't communicate it because of this idea that like we're not supposed to talk about shit during sex, like that's crazy to me. Yeah, like, uh, <laughs> I can mention that, and if you want, I can cut it from the podcast. But like the idea when we started dating, that in my head I had to sleep with you. Yeah, well, I, I am. I have no problems talking about this. Like it was really interesting because when we first met in person, we met online, and then we met in person, <laughs> and now we do things online in person. Um, <laughs> uh, but like we felt like we. And I think also, like, we weren't necessarily, like, super, like, like, now we have a better idea of, like, our sexualities, I think. Yeah, I, but, yeah, but, I didn't know I was a sexual honest. Yeah, but, like, we felt like we were supposed to have sex. Yeah. Like, we felt like that's what people did. And, like, for the first, you know, we, every time we would see each other, we would have sex. And then one time we literally just, like, had a conversation. And we were like, do either of us want to have sex? Yeah, and the I answer was, like, not really. Yeah, I had a panic attack going to you because, like, I'm like, oh, my God, he's going to want sex and I don't want to yeah, and then we had a conversation, and I was like, oh, I was afraid to tell you that, like, uh, I really prefer to masturbate than, like, have sex with people. And she was like, oh, I was afraid to tell you I really don't want to have sex. And I was like, why have we been having sex? <laughs> <laughs> so I think that that, like, and I think that it's really common, honestly, that, like, yeah. people just, like, don't communicate. Um, and and so, 
yeah, I like the representation of that in, in this episode, that like sort of masculinity of like, oh, I got to know exactly how to do all the things. Um, and Quentin's like, no, like, no. Yeah. So, so yeah, I did. Again, I still find the amount of sex in this episode annoying, but I do appreciate that conversation. Also, I just wrote, it's funny, you taking note about sex. Good boy. <laughs> I just I'm, I'm always thinking about him doing that like that motion with the yeah yeah but I love it because I'm like that's I get it that's a clitoris I know what you're doing yeah exactly um um but if we we go with Q I had other things about him where is it oh there's a tender moment before like the sex magic stuff where Quentin and Alice is like basically Quentin is like kind of laughing at her for like oh you had a garden spade and like blah 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 and he's not really helping her because like she's in emotional distress talking you about you have like, the, the garden state what are you talking the, about the 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 the, 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 the city oh 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 and sorry then, like, i was like new jersey <laughs> and, it, <laughs> and then well, but like he's not really helping her at this moment because like dude read the room you know, yeah. but he's, and like, um, like you need to be there for her. Yeah. He's not. Yeah. But then, man. um, he's just like, but then when Alice confronts him on thing that she's not comfortable in, like Julia is like, he's not like, oh, it didn't happen. It's a dream. Uh, don't be jealous. It's like, no, look, I had a crush. I don't anymore. Yeah. The end. But like, he's not escaping it yeah i i know guys that I, all the guys <laughs> i've dated will be like so you know but also um there's one thing i don't like though by uh q saying that his crush about julia was just hormonal i do not agree i also think no. because she was the only girl able to understand him yeah i mean i think that that's just something that you say when you've got a part you know like like when you're talking to your partner and you slip up and you're, I mean, we're kind of not like that because we're pretty open, but like you'll slip up and you'll talk about an ex and you're like, uh, but you know, it was just this. We didn't even have anything special. But like, cause you need to like diffuse it. I feel like it was that. Yeah, exactly. And you're like, uh, okay. okay. But like, I'm not, uh, but the fact <laughs> that like, he's not denying that. Yeah. He had a wet dream with her and Julia and that's it. So can I actually talk about Stephanie for a minute? Oh, I have a shitload of <laughs> Because actually, in this episode, for the first time, I felt myself on Stephanie's side. Yes, me too. And I... I still I, fucking hate that bitch. Oh, I don't think that she's mother of the year. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I... There was this moment when she's in the tepidarium. You know, she's in the bathtub. Yeah. Those fucking people. <laughs> she's in the bath. <laughs> And, um, and she, you know, and Alice and her have had this fight previously that she brings up again, where essentially Alice is mad at Stephanie for not processing grief the same way that she does. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Alice is bullshit. Um, (laughs) sorry. Also, I understand the trauma of, you know, your parents have hurt you. So you're going to be mad at them for whatever they do. I mean, that's fair. And defensive of whatever they do. But but I I I agree. But I thought that this was interesting because in this moment I saw that sort of this I sort of saw this juxtaposition between the femininity, quote unquote, of like like being like her mother sort of being like sensitive and being emotional and being like, oh, and 
and the like, and Alice being like very like harsh and angry. And Alice to me, like has a lot of sharp edges. You know what I mean? She's like a very hard. I, I just realized. But, I'll, I'll go ahead. But I was going to say, but also at the same time, right. Alice is almost like feeling so hard about like, she's feeling so strongly about this. And Stephanie is like shutting off. So it's this very sort of like, sorry, microphone, I hit you. It's this very sort of interesting, like juxtaposition there. I don't know if that makes any sense. You make me realize that there is this, this contrast, but like, I feel Stephanie's whatever-ness is a Mm -hmm. direct response to Alice Sharp. Yeah. Because they have this butting head relationship. And since Alice is so sharp and cares so much, oh yeah, I want them. Yeah, exactly. And also it's the first time in that scene that we see Alice powerless. Mm. Parents, man, they fuck you up. But also like so this I I I, I wrote that for um why did Alice didn't um tell Q about the where they were going and she's like because you're gonna quit out and I didn't want you I don't think it's true my theory is that she needed to feel powerful at some point mm, and, and not was, telling him with like exactly like keep it keeping that and having a surprise and like then calling out Q for freaking out was her way to empower herself in a place she doesn't feel powerful at all I think it's kind of interesting because in this episode for the first time, I sort of realized that like Alice is such a shitty partner and like, I don't think, no, I don't think that it's ever okay to cheat on a partner. You know what I mean? Um, But at the same time, I think that a lot of times Q gets blamed both in the show and in the fandom for like them breaking up. And I'm like, actually, Alice is kind of a terrible partner. They're, I mean, they both have emotional growing up to do. Um, but like, yeah, I don't know. I never really thought about that. Like the the idea of like, you need to be so in control that you, like you have a partner with anxiety and you did not prepare them for something like that, that was going to happen as someone who has a partner with anxiety that could you imagine if I just brought you to my parents and did not tell you that you were going to meet my fucking parents? What do you mean I have anxiety? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Spoilers. That was for the bonus content. No, um, yeah, no, but I agree. But like, you know that, what I mean? Yeah, no, it, 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 it is stressful. And I mean, even like going to my family until like recently I had panic attacks. Yeah, going to your own family. Like, so So the idea, like, I don't know, I guess re-watching this, I'm realizing, I mean, I think both of them are idiots. Um, I think all these characters are idiots, uh, except Cancer Puppy. Cancer Puppy's great. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just, I guess I'm realizing that like, wow, like that was a really fucked up thing to do. Yeah, and, I, and then like, to blame it on him, to throw it on the person with anxiety and be like, like oh, well, you would freak out. So that's why exactly. I couldn't it's, do it's it. It's kind of like victim blaming. Yes, it's gross, Alice. And like in that, I, I think in this episode, between the two of them, Alice showed the more toxic masculinity. That's so funny. I was just about to say the exact same thing. Oh, it's like, we're, we should get married. Okay, let's make a podcast about it. Um. Okay. But yeah, it's like, like, I feel like she's sort of presenting a lot of more stereotypically masculine traits. And he's like, and I feel like she's kind of like gaslighting him in that moment. Um, Totally, totally. Yeah, it's gross. And, and I feel like, like he is presenting a lot of more feminine. And I think in general, he's a little bit more of a traditionally feminine character. Mm -hmm. um, Because he's like in touch with himself a little bit. He touched himself? You haven't touched your penis, what? 
when he's oh, eating. God. Yes. Uh, I, oh, my God. Okay. I totally just crossed wires because I was just listening to The Adventure Zone, and it was like, it's the second time there's the festival, and he wants unicorn, unicorn dick, dicks. but there's no unicorn dick. And I was like, wait, was it? Okay. No, that was magicians. <laughs> I watched so many things where people are eating un- uh, dicks on a stick. Okay. <laughs> I have uh, two other things to talk about um, mm-hmm. uh, the Queen's party. Oh, First, okay. Was the close-up of a guy eating a girl necessary? No. N-O, no, in the words of Garnet. N-O, period. Um, that's what I'm talking about in this episode where I'm just like, Ugh! Yeah. It is so unnecessary. It makes me, like, I literally want to flip this table, but it's attached to the thing yeah. that I'm doing, so it would just come back down. <laughs> Um, also, um, like knowing all the batches and the Roman gods that we're dealing with, I find it funny that like they had a Roman, uh, their own Roman party, you know? I and, never thought about that. And also how Penny has this uh, Egyptian fountain, he ended up in the Egyptian fountain. Yeah. In the latest episode that we saw that you didn't, but I did, we're talking about Egyptian gods. Oh, I'm excited. Also, the first time we see the dad, he's he's like uh, with the man with the. Leaf oh yeah, he has like a little slave. Yeah, and like knowing is kind, like all kind and patient and loving in it. It is <laughs> like it gives you the wrong image of the like powerful masculine dad, you know. So like when Quint, like when we know that Quentin and him gonna have a talk, Quentin has in mind. Oh my God, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna die. Oh, I know. It's like let's have a fatherly chat. Exactly. And like, but the fatherly chat is probably like, so do you want some nuts? Here you go. Let's talk about this this magic. Like, uh, okay. But exactly, like uh, that's what I don't be like, mean to my daughter. That's fine. Yeah, it, like basically, I got the oh my god, kill me face of Quentin when Alice asked him <laughs> to distract her dad. From what we saw, he is nice, but the throw of the mean father-in-law had to happen. Yeah, because like Daniel is nothing like a bad part. Like he's just I gonna, love him. He's uh, a precious little cinnamon roll. Hey, rest in peace. Uh, but he's like, dead. Yeah, in season three. I forgot. <laughs> Listen, but, I only watched season three once, and Cat keeps saying things that happened, and I'm like, I do not remember that. Were there potatoes in season three? Was there something with potato? No, it was it was fairy eggs. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing. But, uh, it's just because, like, Danielle is just this love ball of love. Dan, Danielle. Danielle yeah. is a girl. Danielle is a boy. Well, in French, we say Danielle. Uh, well, yeah, you also say Michelle for, uh, like, your dad's name is Michelle. No, it's Michael. Michelle is a girl. And uh, the gender binary, but yeah, it's just because, like, I, I like the, the, the writing tried to play in this, like, I should be scared of my father in law. Well, yeah, Daniel's Daniel Papa Quinn, Daniel uh, Papa Quinn, <laughs> Papa Quinn is like the the the. I feel like he's he's the more supportive. He's just gonna ask, or like, do you practice as like properly protected? Yeah, okay, yeah, you, you know, that's so cute. Um, do you mind? Do you have anything else to say about the Quins, or do you mind if we uh, float somewhere else? Hold on. Like this? Okay, do you want to do... Uh, because I, I still have things with Penny. Yeah, I have a couple too. Why don't we leave those for the end? But before we continue, let's take a break for the ads. Oh. 
My character is playing. She is a hedge witch from South Carolina. My character is Quincy Flynn. He's a magician. It's Esfir Niganova or Fifi, and she is a hedge witch who is an illegal immigrant from Russia. Sid. Sid is a human who is super queer and great. They do stuff. Maybe take them back to the safe house, Fifi. Take them back. Take break bills, kids, back to the safe house. I've had several bad trips that have ended in me magically being supported to a teleported to a Starbucks. And well, I mean, how do I know I'm not just tripping? Lane, throw a box with an accuracy spell, and I set the box on fire so that it hit the lines. Yeah, because a flaming lion is a lion. Yes, that's going to solve all of our problems, <laughs> having it be on fire. Find our edwitches and magicians at Furderden Fillery, a tabletop role-playing game based on the sci-fi hit The Magician. To be sure not to miss one episode, follow us on iTunes, Spotify, and any other platform you listen to your podcast. Mm, another one. <laughs> These guys are going in the garden. <laughs> Can we talk a little bit about Elliot and Margot? Okay. Oh, one well, last um, thing before we go. No, that's with the that's with Julia. Okay. Okay. Um, Julia, we could do Elliot, Margot, Julia, and then Penny. Yeah. And um, Penny. Okay. <laughs> ah, I see what you did. See, you made the Hamilton reference this time. <laughs> um, so, so I think just in general, like the whole season, right? Elliot, Elliot had an alcohol problem. <laughs> And I think, and it's just a little, um, and I think that, I don't know, it sort of like struck me that like, it, it was okay for him to be a functioning alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was fine as long as he was a functioning alcoholic. And I think that that is sort of like, obviously there are people of all genders who have substance abuse issues, but I think that there's sort of this idea that it's okay for a man to have alcohol problems yeah and like we had to see even margot be like worried to understand that okay it's a problem now because otherwise like oh yeah it's elliot. You know? yeah and I, and I agree that like um and even like elliot when when he's like super high and he's like okay we have to talk to the lizard man over there um like he's like no i'm fine i'm gonna go on a quest yeah, like he's trying to be this masculine dude and everyone's like no but i also think that i feel like maybe the reason that it is okay for men to have alcohol problems is because they're using it to hide their emotions. They're using it Mm -hmm. to like cover up their feelings. And that's a masculine thing to be doing, Mm -hmm. right? Like not feeling or not accessing your emotions. So I wonder if there's a connection between that where like women are supposed to feel so like you can't cover up your emotions. It's funny because when you think about like a woman who drinks, she's like a bitch or like a dissatisfied woman or like, yeah, I'm, thinking of like this cougar mom yes exactly you know who's like yeah unhappy or like she's a you know she's a single mom and she's like yeah like sleeping around or like some kind of like bad like portrayed in a way that's like oh this person like but when men drink it's like cool yeah you know what i mean like i'm thinking of characters right like elliot everyone's like not to say that there aren't other things to love about Elliot, but it's like, oh, the cool guy who's like, you know, who's like mixing drinks and like, oh, you know what I mean? I feel like that's sort of a character trope that's like, yeah. it's the same thing almost with smoking. Yes. I, I, 
I mean, I think that that's a little different because I think women could look quote unquote cool smoking also. But I do think that there's this very masculine vibe of like, oh, the guy is like drinking and smoking and like, Ugh. yeah, really like James Dean. Yeah. I mean, Elliot does both of those things. <laughs> uh, uh, also, like when they go to see the Margot and uh-huh. it's like this sexualized pin. This pin episode. This episode. But also like she's a sex doll. But, uh, and like she wears red, which means lust. Slut. Slut. Lust. Harlot. Harlot. But like, I'm and I'm so I, tired. And you see, like she was smiling and empty because that, like that's that was. A Women are supposed to just smile, Catherine. Yeah. Why aren't you smiling? And also, like the, the, he was saying, like, oh, there's a hole in the spell. This won't happen again. Hello, the metaphor for a condom. Oh fuck! I didn't even. <laughs> You're in the face. You just made. <laughs> Listen, I've never done sex with condoms because I've never done sex no, with a penis. So I, I don't think about no, that but you shit. You know, like, it's like boys saying, oh, it's just a hole in the condom. Like, you won't get pregnant. You're fine. Yeah, like this kind of like toxic bullshit. And then what he's doing is he's stolen your life force, which is like the, the kind of like, you know, the draining, um, hyper toxic masculine guy like that's gonna like drive everything from their girlfriend and he becomes her world. And that's basically what that guy wanted. He wanted a sex doll with Margo. And Margo's like, ew, no, because I have a personality. And he freaks out. You know, so I I like this Margo Lim being the representation of what a woman should be. And Margo being like, bitch, no. Also, I don't know. I was just thinking about this dynamic between Elliot and Margo in this episode of like the the woman being the caretaker in a way of like having to be the one who's like, Oh, you're, you know, you need to get help. You need to figure your shit out. I need to be the one to take you. But also there's this like interesting thing happening where the like, because Elliot felt really hurt by the way that Margot treated Mike and him when he was with Mike. And so then that backhanded like, Oh, I'm sorry. I thought this is just how we are friends. I thought this yeah, is just like how our friends that. Yeah. until I watched it this time. Okay. And then I understood it because like she was so shitty to him when he was dating Mike and like was not supportive of him. So then like mm-hmm. she came and was like, oh, I'm sorry, I thought this is how we support each other. You know what I mean? Like because he came and was being kind of a shitty friend to her. Yeah, and then also- he's like, You're not here for me. And you know, she was like, You're not here for me. And he's like, Oh, I'm sorry, you weren't there for me. It was kind of like a little Yeah. But also I, I like kudos for Margot be like, Okay, go home, fuck you. Yeah, because like yeah. She, she could like keep him and be like resentful, and then no, like Margot, like she already have one toxic masculine to deal with her life. Doesn't need another one. I also I don't know. For the first time, this just made me think about how right. I think Margot has a lot of quote unquote masculine qualities, where like she's like you know a leader and she's very strong and she's very you know like all these kinds of things. And now I'm like, oh, that's why we when call her a bitch. when women. I was just about to say that when women or, you know, femme presenting people are, are acting masculine, then they're a bitch. Yep. What the, you stole my, but yes, that's it. Yeah. And I don't something know. that breaks my heart with Elliot is like, you managed to be vulnerable in that moment of like, oh my God, I fucked up. Uh, and like, give the, and like, he's being so vulnerable, but then 
realized that he has to do it again and he's not able to. Yeah, it's really hard. And it's just break my heart because, like, also, like, what did you do? Because it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, the fact that Elliot is not able to be vulnerable twice show a lot about his masculinity and his mental state. Um, can someone give a hug? I'll give Elliot a hug. Squish, squish, squish. <laughs> um, so, do you have anything else to say about them before we uh, go to the head switches? I love, I, I love them. Same. Okay, um, head switches. So, uh, we were talking about this this morning, actually. Um, so, the first time that I watched the show, I was like, Richard's like a pretty chill guy. He's a fucking um, guy. Yeah, and then I rewatched it and was like, oh my god, this man has such a fucking savior complex. Oh my god, yes. A white and it's, male. <laughs> and it's even worse because he's nice. Yes. Like that makes it worse. And like there's just this moment where both Katie and Julia were like, oh, like he saved us. Especially like Julia or Katie, rather, there was this moment of like he saved me from myself. And I was just like, Bleh! like it, it felt like it like it's culty. Like they're they're a fucking cult. Well, like, th- that's the thing. Like uh, basically, Richard arrived in Julia's house, say she should clean, then say, Oh yeah, I won't tell you what I'm doing. But we're gonna stay all in your our house. Okay, bye. What yeah. the fuck, man? Yeah, it's just yeah the the like entitlement that this man has yeah. is disgusting, and this idea that like he's so good for helping people is just like gross. And he's, he's manipulating because like he's like he wants to help I himself. I don't want to invalidate the feeling there's between you, but I will. <laughs> the shitty grin you just gave was so good. Because like it basically said so, like I I their story I didn't know. But we need you, so I don't care. I'm sorry to say this, but can we please pause? I have had to pee for a really long time. Yep. <laughs> I'll be right back. Ooh. Okay. that button. So, um, and yeah, and also, yeah, I just find that Richard is the nice guy, is the is the bad guys in the cloak under the cloak of the good guy. He's the oh my god, he's the guy that's gonna be super nice with you, but when you don't want to sleep with him. He's gonna be a fucking dick. <laughs> you know, like he was oh all nice. And that, oh, but when I was nice to you, like, like I was nice to you, one who don't want to sleep with, because you just asked that, you moron. Um. Also, I wonder that the like how Katie met Richard. But that's enough. Yeah, that's. So, um, I have a question in English. In English, question. After you're done texting. Uh, yeah, no, I'm not texting. I'm trying to find the name of an actress from this show. Yes. Uh, um, why I was about to call it Luke? I don't know. Richard. <laughs> not the same guy. Um, I give um Julia a spell binder, and he's like, it's funny because they're spelling the binder. But is there another? Yeah. So the oh, there's a word called spell binder. Okay, it's wait. like something that's something that's like. Like, I saw the fireworks show was spellbinding. Like, I-, I was, like, captivated. That's a dad joke, Richard. Yeah. Oh, it's, <laughs> dad, it's a dad joke. But he was just like, haha, it's a spellbinding. Get it? Okay. okay. Um, but so the other thing that I wanted to say, which is why I spent 10 hours trying to find Bobby Charlton's name, is that uh, the actress that plays Silver is trans. Uh, and, you know, as a trans person, I immediately was like, trans. Um. 
and so for me, like, I just, I don't know. I just love that. Like there's a trans woman in this episode and that like, I mean, right. I don't know how silver identifies, but being played by a trans actress, like I, uh, I interpreted silver to be trans as well. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I just think that it's awesome to see like a trans character who is not like they don't fucking mention it ever. She could be a cis woman. Who knows? And um, like we don't care. It's not important to know that about. Yeah, her. and so I don't know what like that necessarily is di- directly tied into like masculinity or things like that. But I don't know. I just like it was something that stuck, a stuck out shout to me. Out. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the first time we see Julia. Um, She's in the free t- trader Beowulf uh, online thing, which is mm-hmm. a, something from the book. Uh, that's something. But the thing is, yeah, like, this moment is is like most of the book for Julia. This uh, free oh, yeah. trader Be- Beowulf thing, yeah, it's, it's like basically her whole arc. Is okay. The free trader Beowulf, and can we talk about the channel there is in the chat room? There is general random pals DNA dash traveler. D&D dash traveler. D&D yes. dash traveler. Yeah. Then Godless Sherbach. I googled. There's nothing about that. I have no idea. That Godless Sherbach. G-O-D-L-E-S-C-H-E-R-B-A-C-H. C-H-E-R. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, and it's not written like Godless because there's no, there's not two S's. And Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> and I just like like that. Okay, we're gonna talk about spell and like Godless Sherbet, whatever it is, and like talk about like magic and Star Trek. I can't. They're freaking nerds. I love them. And uh, also, uh, like, Julia saying, like, oh, how, how should I call them by their name? By the... It's like her asking for pronouns. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yay, Julia! Yeah, I, I think that it's really important to, like, not in, only in trans situations, but just in general. It's yeah. like, what name do you prefer? Like, I know this is, and again, this is sort of sidetracked for masculinity, but, well, not necessarily, nothing is too far from the patriarchy. Um, because I feel like there it is this very masculine thing, like, to just know stuff, right? I I don't want to have to ask. I don't want to have to guess. I should just be right, kind of thing. Yeah. And like like the the woman that I work for, her um her name is Jacqueline. And I kept hearing everyone else call her Jack. And one day I was like, Hey, what name do you prefer? Yeah. She was like, Well, I really prefer being called Jack. And I was like, You, you could have. I've been calling you Jacqueline for like months. Like you one hundred percent could have just told me. But people, I feel like like people don't go out of their way to ask. Yeah, And people don't always feel like, especially like people who are socialized female are, I think, often taught like, oh, you're imposing by asking for someone to call you by a name you prefer. Or by, do, by asking for something, you're imposing on them. Yeah, And so like it takes the other person sometimes to be like, hey, what would you prefer? Um, and so, yeah. So I think that it says a lot about Julia, right? When she's like, hey, like what name should I call you by? Yeah. She doesn't just make the assumption, oh, I want to be called by my real name. So, like, what's your... And she, she's not like, what's your real name? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, and then Richard said, like, it's their discretion. Yeah. I, I, I like that respect of, like, um, that's the one good thing you did. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I fucking hate Richard. Hey. And, um, 
and also the fact that when she's chatting, she call she's chatting with uh she's versus Cersei, and mm-hmm. like she's having fun with Asmodeus and it blah blah blah, yeah. and it ended up being Katie, and now everything changed. And yep. You remember that episode where you were, were saying about memory when you were saying like how. Uh, your vision on a, a, a thing can tinted when you know something badass. Yeah, yeah. Same thing with that. Like, oh, every like conversation and fun I had was with this girl. Mm-hmm. You know, like there was this built up. Yeah, woman. totally. And also, KD was kind of masculine presenting with like mm-hmm. her overall and her like big yeah. jacket. Meanwhile, Julia is kind of goddess-like, which is really funny when you think about it now. But, like, she has this long... It's always long, flowy, yeah. Flowy and feminine and, like, showing her curves, but not too much, you know? So I I like the contrast that even in the relationship between uh, Katie and Julia, hashtag Wickoff, there is this masculine and feminine representation. But then, like, I don't know, then I think about it, and even, like, I think that there are a lot of... Right, I mean, a lot of the, the fandom... It's like, get together, you bitches. But even in that, I'm like, really? One of them has to be masculine and one of them has to be feminine. Yeah. <laughs> right? Because, if, like, if we have, because Katie's if masculine. We, yeah, but I mean, like, if we have two, like, char- I feel like we have two characters who sort of have this energy, then, like, we have to make one of them more masculine and one of them more feminine. Yeah. If they're together. Not, like, together dating, but just, like, if they're together, like, they have an arc together, therefore they can't. You know, I don't know. There's just something. I don't know. There's something about that no, to no, me. No, I get I, what you mean. Uh, not sure I ever agree with that, but I understand what you mean. Um, the, the the one thing we say of women when they're mad that they're uh, like they're gonna be silent and bitchy and talking the others back. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Julia and Katie were like, "Yo, we fucking hate each other. Your mom died. I'm fucking sorry. I fucking feel bad. Yeah, fuck you." Okay, let's do this now. Like it was really like like men yelling at each other, fighting each other, then hugging it out. You know, and I, I like I find this version of like the feminine trope of being bitchy and behind the back was completely like eradicated from that. And yeah. it was like we have problem, let's them. Okay, let's continue. Sorry, do you do you have a lot more? Because I'm like I'm like I just hit a wall and I need to go to bed. Um. You said you said you had stuff about Penny, right? Yes. Uh, I also, uh, before Penny, I just want to say, uh, Katie saying like, um, oh, I, I like when they they are doing the spell and they're, they they, they want to go in the other room and they can't. Basically, Katie said, "Oh, I know how to break in," and Julia's like, "No, no, let's go." Else. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear that. I didn't notice that. Yeah, it's really funny. Anyway, uh, for Penny, I, it's mostly with Zelda. Mm-hmm. Um, First, Penny complaining about his book having flower and shit. Dude. Oh, God, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> really, dude? I hope my book has flowers. <laughs> Me too. And, um, like, the way when Penny enters, there is this, like, camera uh, that zoom out well mm-hmm. up, and that creates a vision of being powerless. Used, yeah. It's used a lot in cinema when there's uh, dictatorships or, like, a lack of difference of power between people. Mm-hmm. And it's also to give you the impression that the library is so big and you're so small and you're like, mm-hmm. and like knowing what the library will do with any kind of imp- and interesting, especially that the first time we see the library, the camera tilted, warning us that something's bad. 
Yeah. Something's not right there. And yeah, it's the camera. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh. Also, so Zelda arrived with these flowy pants. Mm-hmm. I love those goddamn pants. I love those pants. But th- what I like about that is like it, like there is this kind of trope of women wearing the pants and like being in charge of blah blah, blah which she is in charge. Uh. She still have this femininity with it. Yes, she is like a high femme, but she still has. She's not wearing a dress. Exactly. And then yeah. she, while she talks, she pulled this long, long, long. Uh, um, how do you call that? Oh, the, the, the drawer, drawer with yeah. all of, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, she's talking, and it's so phallic, because, like, she's trying to oh. assert her, her domination towards Penny and oh, sort position. I did power. not think about that. I never noticed until, like, I uh, this time, and I look, and I was like, oh, my God, that's a penis. Yeah. <laughs> and um, the last thing I wanted to say is, basically, Zelda talk about toxic masculinity. Um, she, uh, oh, mm-hmm. she said, like, okay. What were here was gonna happen because of your toxic masculinity? <laughs> I found a solution that won't hurt any of us. Okay, bye. And honestly, yep. you go, Zelda. Yep. The uh, well, the thing, the one last thing that I wanted to say in regards to Penny is that even after Q, I mean, in his both in the dream, and then even after Q fucking saves his dumb ass, yeah. he he still needs to put him down. Every single time he mm-hmm. sees Quentin, he needs to find a way to put him down. And I mean, I think that that was like says stuff about self-esteem and yeah. what's going on for Penny, but also it's like this, ma- like, again, this idea of masculinity and like, I need to be better, stronger, yeah. whatever, or than you. Yeah. Um, and I need to remind you that like, you're a pussy or you're a whatever, yeah. you know? Uh, that's what I love about Margot in season four, saying, uh, using pussy as a... <laughs> yes. Pussy uh, up or whatever she yeah. said. You're not going to cuck out on me. Um, Dead. Uh, and so, and now we are at the place for the vase and the flower. News update on the vase and the flower, people. Uh, it is an actual uh, thing. An actual thing. It, this is going to be funny now because we recorded like episode 13 previously. Yeah. So I don't know what we said on episode 13. <laughs> um but, but it, yeah, it is, a, it is a saying that you don't give the flower and the vase at the same time. It's an expression, though. Yes. We have not located the origins of the expression, whether or not the Shakespearean part of that is true or not. But but the expression sort of means like don't give a backhanded compliment, basically. So we're gonna give uh, a vase and a flower to characters. And Do you remember who you wanted to give your vase to, right? King Richard. Right. You, she literally felt so strongly about it that this morning we were at brunch and she was like, don't you let me forget. I want to give it to Richard. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, I'm really mad because he acted yeah. like this nice guy and until we watched it for the reunion night and I never noticed our manipulative Same. and toxic and not the good guy he was. He's acting like one, but he's not. Like you said, the savior complex, I feel um, this is a good one to say. And I'm gonna give my va- my my flower to Margot for calling out Elliot. Uh, it is hard to say to your friend and your bad friend. Yeah. And she's hurt, and like yeah. even even Elliot noticed, but she's like, "Look, I I needed you, and you're not there, and fuck you." And I like a woman learn you rather early not to complain about stuff like that. But the, mm-hmm. the fact that she's not taking it uh, makes me want to be a bit more like Margot. So, yeah, yeah Margot. Take it. Yeah. 
We're not gonna take it anymore. Okay, that's all. Do you feel better? Yeah, I do. <laughs> so, what's your race? Um, so, hmm, that's a good question. I have to think about. So, like, I'm kind of torn, but I'm gonna go with my uh initial instinct, which is like, I kind of want to give my base to Elliot in this okay. episode because, on the one hand, right. I like I get that you like I can't even imagine what it would be like to to go through a trauma like that like I have not experienced anything like that however being self-destructive and to a point where you're putting your friends in danger is like really like uh, is really shitty and like it's not yeah it's not acceptable behavior and I mean like if you're gonna do to me it's like he's like drinking and driving I love that. Yes. That's that's what he's doing. Yeah. He's not saying I'm sh- I feel shitty. I'm going to stay home. He's saying me being distracted from this trauma is more important than your safety. Yes. I think in both this episode and then in the later episode right with the um where he eats the carrot and then fu- you know in this in this episode he fucking burns the book and gets them kicked out of their place of safety. I'm like seriously you had to burn the book? Throw it on the floor. I don't know. Like put it back shove it back in the shelf. And it's Be one of his regrets after that. Yes. But like, but I guess, so to me, that's what, like, I really think that I'm like, I'm sort of visualizing it as drinking and driving where like you are doing self-destructive behavior and like, that's your prerogative. But when you put other people's lives at risk, then that, then uh, that like really upsets me. Um, uh, and then I guess I will give my rose. Maybe it's a begonia this week. This week it's begonias. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to give my begonias uh, to. Let's think. I'm going to give him the, you know, this doesn't happen a lot, but I'm going to give him to Quentin because I, I just like appreciate his like just willingness to um, like communicate with Alice and like try and figure and work things out. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, both in the sexual situation and all the sort of situations that come up. And I feel like he's really there for her in this episode in like a real way. He's like, yeah, you know what? You need me to distract your dad, Bob okay great i'm gonna go fucking do that with minimal questions you know what i mean like he's really just like supportive of her and i think that that's a really good way to be to your partner yeah yeah i guess that's it also i have this dragon (sighs) i think we're gonna end (laughs) (laughs) this has been delorians united we want to thank uh, Harry Potter and the Sacred Text as well as Spirit Podcast tour for being mentors and inspiration for the show. We also want to thank our patrons uh, people like Elliot who give a bit of their money every week uh, every week, huh, every month so we can continue to have the show and uh, we're not losing money out of it. Honestly people um, I'm blown away by just you want willing to Help us continue the show because we're really having fun. And as you hear, we're almost season one over. So uh, with your help on Patreon, we will be able to do season two. And hopefully um, the community will grow. If you want to become a Foo Fighter like them, just go on patreon.com dash United. And you can give as little as $1 for... Uh, having access to bonus content. If you have uh, $2 and more, you end up having audio bonuses every other week that we are not posting. Uh, uh, Bonuses such as bloopers or discussion I have uh, with 
V, one of our previous posts, we are going to be looking at the characters as well as um, an extra audio that I have to put with me and guests on the show. And next, yes, I have to go in it other bonuses because that's what I did all week. I recorded stuff for y'all, well, for patrons. And yeah, have a wonderful guy. Have a wonderful guys week. Bye. Spoonful production.